you are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 148 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke. And on today's show, I'm going to be going over some of the A's roster, just giving you guys a look at who I'm looking at, uh, who's plugged into what holes and whatnot. Uh, are there non-tender candidates coming up for this winter? Uh, I think that there could be a couple, potentially. I'm going to also offer up a couple of names that could be trade candidates to uh, clear some payroll off the A's roster. So uh, that's what I'm doing in the first half. Second half of the episode, I'm going to be going over the ALCS and the NLCS. So that is what is on the docket for today. Also, today's episode is brought to you guys by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. That is one word, LOCKEDON, and you get 20% off your next order. So go to BuiltBar.com, 20% off when you use code LOCKEDON. Uh, also, please follow us on social media, at LOCKEDONAs on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, fill up that mailbag for us. Uh, I got one in. I'm very excited to tackle that one on Friday's episode. So uh, if you sent that one in, you know who you are. Keep an eye out for Friday's episode. I'll be doing uh, questions on Friday. So uh, you can send all of your other questions to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Reach out to me on Twitter, too. Uh, I'll take them there. doesn't matter. Just uh, keep the questions coming in, and I will talk about them on the show on Friday. So uh, fill up that mailbag, yes. Um, all right, let's get right into it. I've been looking over the A's roster a little bit, and for the most part, you're... You know who's on the roster. You got Sean Murphy at catcher, Matt Olson at first base, no big surprises. Uh, Chapman's at third. You got Ramon in center field. And then you get some uh, some question marks a little bit. Uh, I have Chad Pender currently slotted into second base. I do not believe that they are going to go into the regular season next year with him being their second baseman of this the whole season. I think that they like him more as a utility guy where if somebody gets hurt, like Chapman gets hurt or whoever is playing shortstop or second base for the team gets hurt, then he's able to fill in that role. But otherwise he's more of a utility guy where he can play left field uh, on a you know couple of days a week. He could do a uh, few other things ar- around the diamond. And I think that they like him in that role as opposed to having him at second base. And then if those injuries do occur, then they have no backup plan. So I think that they like him in the break glass if needed role that they they've been using him in here in the uh, the last few seasons uh, i also got Stephen piscotti in right field mark canna in left and then uh chris davis as the dh that's how everything slotted up whether or not that actually happens i do not know i have shortstop as a blank slate uh i've heard from reports that they are uh they're trying they're gonna try to get marcus Simeon back and that's probably the best move because uh there's not a lot of other options out there that can play shortstop right now uh dd gregorius but he's older than Marcus and uh, doesn't have quite the upside, I wouldn't say. Uh, he's more consistent, but I don't know. Um, I, I think that Marcus, because he's a hometown guy, you want to you wanna show him some love if you can. And, uh, you know, they've built him up. Why let him go now? Um, for nothing, really. Um, so I think that that's where they're going with Marcus. Uh, I would not be surprised to see him in an A's uniform. He might be their top priority because uh, Liam Hendricks should be the top priority because he solidifies the bullpen, gives them a closer, and that late inning uh, relief that they are going to be looking for for sure in other spots. But he's going to be definitely uh, coveted by a bunch of other teams out there. He's going to get some big offers, and I don't know that the A's like to spend that much on uh, on a reliever because relievers are volatile. And if the Dodgers want him because they're having trouble with the late innings, uh, then I think that he'd be a great fit for the Dodgers. So they're going to be able to offer him whatever he wants, and the A's cannot do that. So I don't think they'll be able to match pocketbooks with 
all of the other teams. And that's why I think that he uh, he could be moving on. Although he would be the guy that I would pick first. Uh, I just don't know that they're going to have the financial means to make that happen. Uh, and, and by financial means, I mean the way that they usually spend money. Uh, I don't think that it would be smart that way. If they're going to be operating around a $100 million payroll uh, to spend 15% of that at least, maybe maybe 10-15% of that on your closer where you can go after a few different guys, build them up, and then turn them into you know pieces that you can use as well. So uh, that's where that's all going. But anyways, uh, I'm going to get into some of these guys uh, just running through the the rotation real quick. You got Jesus Luzardo, Chris Bassett, Frankie Montas, Shamanaya. I think that those four guys are probably coming back. Um, there is one guy that I think could be a non-tender candidate, and that would be Shamanaya. Again, big Shamanaya fan. Really enjoy him. But coming off of an injury plague season in 2019 and then an up and down year in 2020, are they really going to want to spend $5 million on Shamanaya in arbitration? Five-ish million dollars. I, I don't know what the totals are going to be yet, but my guess is it's going to be around five. I think he got like three, eight in 2020. So uh, probably slightly up from that. Um, I, I don't know that they're going to want to pay that much for a question mark. Uh, especially when that if you're operating at you know a hundred million dollar payroll that that's five percent of your salary or your your payroll right there and uh, I think that you need more sure bets so I could see them potentially trying to either move him or just non tender him uh, I think that they would probably go with the the trade route first so they get something for him but uh, you know they're gonna probably look to be saving money where they can so that they can make upgrades in other ways through free agency and adding on uh, contracts in that way so. I don't think that they're going to be expanding on their payroll, but they could come up with other ways to balance the budget, I think. And uh, he would be one of those guys that could help them balance the budget a little bit. Another guy that could help them balance the budget, though, would be Mark Canna. I would think that he's more likely to stay with the green and gold, but uh, he's due $6 million, and if they feel like they can get somebody that plays better defense or something like that or uh, has lower strikeout rates or something, I don't know, uh, maybe better with runners in scoring position, uh, then maybe they can get that for, you know, league minimum as opposed to paying $6 million for Mark Canna. So uh, I think that he would have a little bit more uh, value on the trade market just because I've, I've seen other teams and, you know, uh, other locked on hosts being like, oh, we could use a Mark Canna. That'd be fun. Um, so maybe he gets traded to a team like uh, Cleveland or the Braves, maybe. I don't know. Um, the Braves may win the World Series, so they might not need a Mark Canna. But I think that that would be uh, something that they could consider if the right deal came around. So uh, I don't I'm not rooting for either of these things because obviously, you know, you like having some consistency on the roster, but they're going to need to make upgrades in some form or fashion because uh, I know that they lost to the Astros, but they would have definitely lost to this race team. So they're going to need to make upgrades and see where they can find upgrades. And, uh, you know, if they can get somebody who's a better player overall that would take up some money like cost $10 million, but they can save $6 million on Canada, and then you get another league minimum guy, then all of a sudden you can start balancing the books a little bit and making your team better while cutting costs and all that stuff. So uh, I think that, that could be something that they're looking at. In the bullpen, you got J.B. Wendelkin, Jake Diekman, Lou Trevino, Birch Smith, and I, I'm putting A.J. Puck there. I think that you got to put him there at this point just because his arm's not built up enough. He hasn't thrown innings since 2017. He hasn't thrown over 100 innings. Why would you put him back in the rotation when he keeps getting hurt? I feel like it's better to get something out of him in you know, a relief role we can, where he can lock down games as opposed to getting a few innings here and there from him in the rotation and then uh, maybe he ends up on the shelf again or needs Tommy John or something like that. I think that you need to move him to the bullpen so that you can protect his arm and get something out of him. So I think that that's 
probably what I, that's what I would do at this point with uh, with him. Then you get another hard throw on lefty. You're helping the velocity out of your bullpen. That's not bad. They've had great success with uh, getting starting pitchers off the scrap heap. You know, with Rich Hill and Scott Casimir and Mike Fires was decent. Uh, they can do this with pitchers that they can they can find pitchers uh, for the starting roles. So I'm not really worried about them finding a fifth starter uh, if AJ Puck's not ready to go. Or they got guys that are young like Dalton Jeffries or James Caprillion or uh, Grant Holmes maybe. Uh, they, they've got guys. So I'm not necessarily worried about the fifth starter role. Uh, I'm worried about filling out this bullpen with hard throwing guys that, uh, you know, miss bats. And I think that Puck could be one of those guys if he can stay healthy. And I feel like the best way to stay healthy is put him in the bullpen. And since I'm just doing a quick little rundown here of the A's roster and what could be going on, just because I want to talk about the A's, even though uh, I know that I'm going to be talking about the playoffs too, it's still locked on A's. I got to cover the A's a little bit here on a daily basis. Uh, A couple of trade candidates. I know that I was saying it when he was struggling, but uh, Chris Davis could be a trade candidate. He's uh, owed almost $17 million next year. That is a big chunk of the payroll. And I feel like they could, if, if they do move him, and even if he's playing every day, if they do move him, that opens up the DH role a little bit, and that could be beneficial to the A's, getting guys a day off, you know, getting Chapman a day off if he needs to, if his hip's hurting or something like that. And, uh, you know, the rest and relaxation uh, as much as you can with, uh, you know, how major league pitchers throw these days. Uh, and also, you can play a little bit more uh, matchup-based lineup uh, construction and all that stuff. So I, I enjoy having options at the DH role as opposed to having a firm DH. That's my philosophy on it, at least. Uh, and I was kind of surprised that the A's went full DH with uh, Chris Davis or, you know, signed him to a big deal as a full DH. But, you know, maybe that's something that they felt good with when he was hitting uh, 42 dingers a year. So uh, now that he's a little bit more inconsistent, I feel like y- you got to maybe move on from him. Again, I like KD. I love that he loves Oakland and that he wanted to sign with the A's. I think that's all great. But um, I, I think for roster construction, I don't know if he fits into your plan right now. And uh, that that's all that this is coming from. It's no offense to KD whatsoever. I think that they need more guys that make uh, contact more often, strike out a little bit less, uh, maybe go away from the power bats as much because you need to create more rallies, especially in the playoffs. And uh, I think that that is a better way of doing things uh, in today's game right now. So the A's have a lot of guys that can swing and miss and, you know, hit dingers and, you know, three true outcomes and all that stuff. But, uh, I think that they need better roster construction, more Tommy Lastella types, maybe like a couple of Tommy Lastellas. And then you have your mashers and all that stuff. Um, and I think that removing KD would be one step in that direction. Also frees up a lot of money for them to go after some other guys. So, uh, and also they have so many guys that are entering arbitration. You got Chapman and Olsen, obviously. Uh, Birch Smith is in uh, arbitration. Frankie Montas, Tony Kemp, Lou Trevino. They got some guys that are going to be looking at some uh, some payroll upgrades. So that's going to cost money as well. So you're going to have to cut it from somewhere. And uh, he makes the most. Also, Stephen Piscotti. Uh, this one... I feel bad about because, you know, there's a soft spot in my heart for Stephen Piscotty, given how he came to the A's, obviously, and uh, everything that he's gone through since coming to the A's. He's a good bet, but he's been inconsistent and hasn't been able to stay super healthy, and he's due $7.33 million next year. So uh, I think that he could be on his way out if the A's find a willing trade partner. Maybe they eat some of that money to get a little bit better of a return, but I think you can get a hard-throwing, you know, wild card out of Stephen Biscotti for sure. You know, like take a shot on somebody's double-A number 20 prospect in their farm system, something like that. I feel like that would be a decent return if the uh, 
acquiring team eats a decent amount of that Stephen Biscotti contract. So, and they're only getting him for one year. So, you know, it'd have to be somebody who, or it'd be two years, but he gets a salary bump in uh, 2022. So uh, they could have him for two years, but it would cost more money if they did. Um, so it'd probably be a contender type. Maybe the White Sox would be interested because they're, you know, on that cusp, but they've got some pretty decent outfielders too. Uh, it, it depends on how much they like Nomar Mazzara, I guess. Um, but, you know, a team like that that's on the rise but could maybe use an outfielder that's pretty solid and costs not that much. Who am I kidding? He's definitely going to the Padres because the Padres love two things. First, outfielders have a ton of them. They love them. Second, trading with the A's. Those are their two favorite things, and this would accomplish both those feats in one trade. So he's uh, going to San Diego, you guys. And after that wild declaration, I had to look up just who were their roughly number 20 prospects in their system and who were pitchers that they could just use and whatever. Uh, Omar Cruz. I'm going to say Stephen Biscotti for Omar Cruz. You guys can book that. Haven't heard of him before. That means that he's available. Not like Anderson Espinosa. I've heard that name. Omar Cruz. Don't know who he is. He's a lefty. He's got a good strikeout rate. He's in A ball. So uh, yeah, wild card guy that I'm going for. Omar Cruz coming to Oakland. Get ready, you guys. <laughs> Anyway, that is my very quick uh, look at the A's roster heading into the offseason. And uh, just some things that I'm thinking about at the moment. Uh, I'll be doing this, obviously, a lot more in-depth once the World Series is over with and giving you guys some trade targets, some free agent targets, and uh, just talking some A's baseball during the offseason. It'll be fun. So, uh, yeah, that's it for that for right now. Coming up on the show, though, I'm going to be talking about the playoffs that are going on right now. Uh, the Rays looking good. I'm enjoying watching them. Also, the Dodgers not doing well. We'll talk about both those guys uh, in just a minute. So stay locked in with Locked on A's. I will be right back. The improved Bilt Bar is even more deliciouser. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors, and six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. This also goes along with their 12 original flavors. Uh, right now, double chocolate. Sometimes I feel naughty, and I would like double chocolate. So uh, yeah, be naughty with me. <laughs> But with Built Bar, you won't be too naughty. Uh, I'll get to that part in here in a second. All their bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. But here's the not naughty part. All of their bars are very healthy. Uh, they are great for the health conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. And all of their bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for the keto diet. As we like to say during the first run of their ad read, they are protein bars that taste like candy bars. They are so soft. I love them so much. So if you're wondering how you can go get some Built Bars, all you got to do is go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. That is one word, LOCKEDON. And you'll get 20% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. 20% off at BuiltBar.com when you enter the code LOCKEDON. Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. Also, please follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Fill up that mailbag before Friday because I'm going to be answering some questions. All right, let's talk about the ALCS. Uh, I'm going to do this as quickly as possible because I am running out of time. Uh, Jose Altuve hit a home run as the second batter in the bottom of the first. Uh, the Astros for the home team didn't matter. They still lost. Womp womp. Um, yeah, Jose Altuve hit a home run. That was the only good thing that he did this this game. Uh, I'll get into that because, hey, nothing else happened until the, uh, the top of the sixth inning. Uh, Randy Rosarena, he singled, and then Brandon Lau reached on a fielder's choice, which was, in fact, an error on Jose Altuve, he threw the ball away in a uh, what should have been a double play, and uh, that it that just 
let the inning go on, and boy did the Rays take advantage. Yandy Diaz singled, Joey Wendell singled, Manny Margot uh, popped up on a sack bunt, but uh, you know, hey, whatever. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer got hit by a pitch, and then Willie Adamas also got hit by a pitch. So uh, they were not doing very well. By that time, the Rays had a 3-1 to lead. Uh, there was a pitching change, and Paredes was taken out of the game, and Hunter Renfro doubled, Austin Meadows popped out, Brooks Raley intentionally rock, walked to Rosarena, and then uh, Brandon Lau struck out. But anyways, uh, they scored five runs in that inning. That's all you need to know. And the big play was Jose Altuve not being able to throw the ball to second base, which was roughly 20 feet away from him. Um, not wishing ill will on Jose Altuve. He's meant a lot to that franchise, and he seems like a decent guy. And, uh, you know, good for him and whatnot. Um, it seems as though he's been taking this season a lot harder than the rest of the Astros, and he's kind of starting to break out of a little bit at the plate, but his his defense has not been good this season. And his approach at the plate early in the season with the A's, he was just flailing at pitches, and maybe he was always making contact on those, and that's why you never noticed it before, but it seemed like his approach was off. Uh, I think that he's got some mental things going on, and people are saying he has the yips. I hope that he doesn't have the yips, because that, that messes with people's psyche, and uh, that would be terrible. And I don't, you know, wish mental ruin on him, but, you know, hey, uh, also, crazy conspiracy theory. Um, this is not founded on anything, but hey, it's a thought. Um, you know how in that athletic article they were like, Mike Fires is the only named source. You think that maybe, big maybe, this has, again, no factual evidence, but you think that maybe some of the players that are currently on the Astros that seem like decent people like Jose Altuve may have also been sources on this, and maybe that's why he's languishing a mental ruin right now is because he brought this upon them. Um, just a thought. Uh, is it true? Probably not, but it's something that I'm wondering and I would like to know who the other sources were right now. Uh, get to the bottom of that and also arrest the Yankees or whatever, however we do this. Um, the only other scoring that the Astros got was a Michael Brantley Homer. It was a solo shot in the bottom of the sixth in response to the Rays five runs that they scored. The Astros loaded the bases a couple times, or they loaded them once, they they threatened again, they had their chances, but the Rays just keep shutting them down, and this Rays team, they play such good defense. Joey Wendell is a freaking gold glover over wherever they put him. Uh, Hunter Renfro is coming in on balls and, you know, looking like a freaking gymnast. Uh, Hunter Renfro, yeah, that guy, he's a gymnast apparently. He's not really, but um, yeah, he's looking really good in the outfield, and so uh, th this team is scary good. And I think that this is the new bar that the A's have to measure themselves against. And that's why they need to have a really good offseason if they want to get past these guys uh, coming up in 2021. I, I've been seeing a bunch of tweets that are like, how come the Astros couldn't have played like this against the A's like a week ago? And uh, I mean, true, yeah, they're, they're not doing as well as they were, but the Rays pitching is holding these guys down. The Astros are still getting their chances. They're just not getting that big hit that opens up the floodgates. And that's something that the A's pitching could not do. So uh, is there much of a difference? No, I think it, they're kind of playing similarly. Maybe Petco Park's holding them down a little bit and they're playing at night. So that helped, uh, you know, a little bit. But um, I think that, you know, the, the Rays are just really good and I don't think it has as much to do with uh, the A's and Astros necessarily and uh, again the A's and Astros familiar opponents they have scouting reports they have game plans for each other and uh, you know the Astros came out on top on that one but good job on the Rays they're up three to nothing in that series with a uh, game four coming up today 
at five o'clock, I think. So they could clinch their World Series berth after four games against the uh, the stupid Astros. So uh, good luck to the Rays on that one. Get a few days off, set that rotation for game one of the World Series, which I believe starts next Tuesday. As for who they could be facing, let's move over to the NLCS. Uh, Cards on the table did not watch this game, but I will give you some of the highlights just to keep you guys up to date. Um, the Do I want to give you the score now? You probably already know it. Um, all right, let's give up the score. Uh, the Braves ended up winning 8-7, to seven, but it was not that close of a game for the most of it. Uh, the Braves had a 7 to nothing lead going into the bottom of the 7th. The Dodgers scored 3 in the 7th and then 4 in the bottom of the ninth, made it an 8-7 game. And uh, the, the Braves tagged on a couple along the way, too. Freddie Freeman went deep again. He had a home run, uh, a two-run homer in the top of the fourth that put the Braves up 2 to nothing. Uh, Christian Pache, who they were not even playing at during the season, for some reason, he's starting in the outfield now. Weird that they're just like, hey, you know what? You, you haven't started all year. We, we could have had you playing, but you know what? How about you play now, and uh, we'll, we'll just use you in the NLCS. That's a great plan. So, uh, yeah, he doubled. He's looking pretty decent, and he's known for his defense, not his bat. So him doing anything at the plate, great idea. Uh, Freddie Freeman also drove in a couple uh, in the fifth inning. Uh, Travis Darno walked. That sent home a run. Ozzie Albies got uh, another RBI on a sack fly. Albies would later uh, homer in the top of the ninth, which actually ended up being the difference, giving the Braves that pivotal eighth run. Uh, as for the Dodgers, they scored Three runs on a three-run homer from Corey Seager. He seems to be back from that Tommy John surgery he had a couple years ago. He's been having a great season. He also doubled home another run in the bottom of the ninth, so he was having a great time. Max Muncie homered. Cody Bellinger tripled. Uh, yeah, th these are all run-scoring plays, and that made it 8-7, to seven, but uh, they did not do enough to win the game. So the Dodgers' backs are a little bit against the wall going into Game 3. They're going to be the road team. They're going on the road now. They're not really going on the road. They're still in Texas. Um, so anyways. Um, and also, one one note that should be uh, noted, I guess, is Tony Gonsolin got the start instead of Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw was having some back problems. So uh, Gonsolin got the start. He started out okay, and then he, the wheels fell off. As for Wednesday's game, the Dodgers are going to be playing on the road against the Braves. They got Julio Urias going against Kyle Wright. That is the pitching matchup. That one's at 3.05 uh, Pacific time, local time for us, not local time for them. They're playing at 5 o'clock their time. Um, and then the Rays and Astros, the Rays are again going to be the road team. They got Tyler Glass now going. They have so much pitching. It's ridiculous. Tyler Glass now is going for the Rays. You got Zach Greinke as the projected starter right now for the Astros. Uh, I did see somebody tweet out, and one of the writer, national baseball writers, I forget who it was, Joel Sherman, question mark, um, saying that, hey, maybe they should hold back Zach Greinke because he's already having some arm issues. Uh, and if they lose, then you don't want to lose him for, you know, any part of next season as well. And if they win, then maybe you use him in a bigger spot. Um, so they could potentially change up their starting, uh, their starting plans right there. Maybe go with Christian Javier or something like that. Uh, so keep an eye on that one. But, um, yeah, that, that's it for the playoff wrap. Boom. Astros almost out of the season. Going to be very happy if and when that does happen. So, yeah, that, I think I think that's a good note to close the podcast on. So stay indoors, celebrate good times, Oakland, keep wearing those masks, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow.